right, let's let's get after it. Oh shit! It's the coin toss. No, oh, that was out of tune. Uh, one one question off the rip. Two sides of a coin. Three sides of a strange coin. Today, let's get it. John does not have the coin. Uh, none of us have the coin because John's not with us today. But we have this wonderful thing called the internet. Tarek, heads or tails? Oh, God, you're throwing it to me again. All right, heads. All right, watching it flip. I'm not seeing anything go. What does it say? It flipped already. It says tails, I believe. Oh, it says tails, Tarek. Oh, okay, cool. All right, give me the ball. All right, uh, Trey wants the ball here. Uh, So nothing's really happening great in the uh, Dynasty community. So we're talking about the AFC East today. Uh, This is a three-sided coin. Uh, Which team's finishing second place, Trey? Oh, man. Okay, so Buffalo's definitely finishing first. Uh, I think Miami is. I think Miami's definitely the the second-best team. I know that's where they finished last year, too, uh, but they've just made some awesome additions on offense, bringing in Waddle and Fuller. I think Tua is going to take a a step forward, so that's a preview of the the content coming later uh, today. And, uh, yeah, that defense is good enough, so lock them in for the two spot. Derek, who you got? The easy pick after Miami would be the New England Patriots, but I'm going to go with the New Jersey Jets. I think, uh, you know, Zach Wilson has a chance to come in and revolutionize that offense. A couple of other picks on defense, and they've got a young and ascending offensive line. So let's go Jersey. Yeah, I feel that, man. And uh, I guess I I get the third side of this coin here and uh, go with Wack Jones and uh, Cam Newton there in New England. Nah, man, they ain't getting second. Nah. All right. So I think I, all of us probably agree that it's Miami, right? Uh, I'd say the Jets have a shot, but I'd say yeah. Miami is probably locked in at two there. No, I mean, I, I wouldn't count out the Pats either. I, I, I think if yeah. Mac Jones comes in and drives the bus, they, they could definitely compete with, with the Fins. Yeah, probably. I mean, it, it, it is Bill Belichick. It is going to be a good defense. So, yeah, you know, they'll, they... They can get it done. That It's going to be a fascinating race to second place in the AFC East, boys. Their time is over. May they forever rot in hell. Yeah. <laughs> Mitch, I thought you were a Pats fan. Yeah, and then he left. Oh, you're a Tom Brady fan. Yeah, he's, okay. a, he's a goat fan. I love them goats. Bad. <laughs> <laughs> I hate it. <laughs> Oh, God damn it. You know, at least one good thing is we're going to have a, a permanent sound clip anytime we talk about Tom Brady from here on out. All right. Uh, uh. <laughs> oh, God. All right. Let's, let's do it, boys. Let's do it. What the fuck is going on, everyone? Welcome into the Long Game Dynasty Podcast, a weekly roundtable discussion about Dynasty Fantasy Football. I'm your host, Tark Angry T. Bentria. With me, Mitch Yates and Trey Cryan. We are without John Alexander, so uh, sorry to everybody. Not going to be able to hear his sultry voice this week, but boys... For the second week in a row, um, we are doing recording this podcast the day after a very late night Dallas Mavericks win. Um, so again, I am a little bit tired, a little bit hungover, but also very energized from the win. 
luckily for you guys, we're not going to be talking about the Cowboys today, though, so you're in the clear yeah. there. That, that's it for Dallas content for this episode. That's it, but go that's Mavs. It. Trey, <laughs> what's going on, man? How are you? Well, it's another day in uh, hashtag vacation land. I don't know if you guys knew that about the state of Maine, but that's what they've got on their uh, license plates around here. So we've got uh, one more uh, week up here in the Great White North, but uh, yeah, it's good to be back and talking more uh, more bets with you two. Yeah, then you're going all the way down south, all the way to Massachusetts. <laughs> back home. Mitch, how you doing, dog? Oh, I'm good. And then don't forget, Trey, you're coming all the way actually down to Charleston not not too long from now. That's true. Mitch and I have a, a friend date uh, coming up here in about a month, so uh, it's going to be pretty sick uh, getting to sleep in the uh, the second bedroom there at Casa de Oh, Yates. yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's dope. I didn't know this was happening. I got some FOMO now. Yeah, yeah. our bad. Uh, you know, we've been busy. <laughs> Trey, Trey, you going down there on business? No, it's uh, it's a bachelor party, so I'm gonna strictly pleasure. It's yeah, strictly it pleasure. <laughs> I like it. I'm sneaking in, a, sneaking in a day with Mitch ahead of time there. Love it. All right. Well, as we said earlier, John Alexander is out today. He's hanging out with some family up in the mountains of Colorado. So uh, we will have to soldier on without him, and we will see him next week. Uh, so we are continuing our series where we go division by division in our quest to talk about every dynasty-relevant player uh, in the NFL. And, you know, maybe we don't get to some people, but that just means in our mind they're not dynasty-relevant. So we're going to do our best to talk about everybody. And we talked about the NFC East last week, so we're sticking in the East, hopping over to the other conference, talking about the AFC East. And to do so, we're going to have to dig a little bit deeper into the rankings uh, for the most part. But there is still plenty to talk about. So we got two halves and a half time. Let's get into this first half content. Let's kick it off, boys. In this first half, we're going to be talking about the Miami Dolphins and the New England Patriots. So to start with the Dolphins, at quarterback, Tua Tungavailoa, we have him as Dynasty QB 17 in our consensus rankings. Tua coming off that injury in his last year at Alabama in 2019, and he recently said that his hip is feeling, quote, 100 times better so that is a that's that's a lot that's more than 99 less than 200 but it's 100 times better so that's pretty good mitch i know you've been pretty skeptical of tua's ability to stay healthy in the long term i mean this was a a crazy injury this is basically what ended bo jackson's career a hip dislocation and a fracture but you know we're we're a couple decades later so hopefully medicine is improved since then but how are you feeling about Tua and his ability to stay healthy well as you guys know I've been pretty low on Tua just throughout this entire process and the thing with players that have a tendency to get injured is that they continue to get injured and stay injured and we noticed in college he his like yards per attempt was massive and it's been much lower ever since that injury and in the pros and he's looked like he's played scared too and I don't know if that is in part to the injuries that he's sustained or if that's just how he's translated to the pro game but um yeah I I don't know I feel like he's one injury away from uh, the Dolphins looking for his replacement next year. So that's why I have him as low as I do. I think I have him at like 19. But the talent's there. I just, it's the the injury and uh, the injury 
proneness and the the playing scared that just turns me off. Yeah, yeah, Mitch. So two things there, right? Uh, I mean, you know, I don't bake in as much injury risk as you do, so I'm I'm kind of just uh, factoring in hundred uh, percent health, which maybe I shouldn't for Tua. But uh, I, so I've got him a little bit higher right now. I've got him ranked at sixteen. I like him higher than the two. Uh, rookies in this conference, uh, Jones and Wilson. So um, I think you guys are probably uh, on the same boat as me there. But, um, I, you know, projection-wise, they're going to throw the ball a lot. He's got a lot better weapons this year. Uh, so we'll talk about Fuller and Waddle. So I think that's really going to help with that yards per attempt, especially a guy like Will Fuller who leads the league in yards per attempt every year. Um, and then on top of that, uh, with the injury concerns, it's not like he's Lamar Jackson or Kyler Murray out there running it six, seven times a week, taking a ton of hits. I think he's much more likely to get maybe three or four carries a game, which, yeah, he still needs to be athletic enough to be effective, but it's not as big a part of his game. So I think he's still going to be a capable passer and be able to take that that second-year jump in this offense with the pieces they've added. Sure, but you're going to take hits in the NFL, whether you're running around with it or you're in the pocket, and that's, I guess, what I'm worried about for him. Any player is is one hit away. Um, any any quarterback, I mean, Tua, obviously, you have to bake in, I think, a little bit more risk because of his injury history, not just the hip, but also his ankle issues in college. So I agree that there should be some risk baked in. Uh, Mitch also referenced his yards per attempt, which in his rookie year was 6.3, uh, which is rather low. Um, but he did post 11.3 yards per attempt in college. Now, obviously that's in college, a very different game, but that's a five yard per attempt difference between his career in college and what he put up in limited time in his rookie year. So I think we can expect the efficiency to tick up at least a bit, maybe into like the NFL average of like seven to eight yards per attempt. If he did that. I think we could expect, you know, a lot more fantasy production out of Tua. Let's move on to his weapons and we'll start with the running backs. I guess you could call them weapons, but um, the highest ranked running back in the AFC East in our consensus, spoiler alert, is Miles Gaskin. And that's all the way down at running back 29. So I am actually the lowest on him at RB 35. You, uh, Mitch and Trey, you guys kind of have him in the RB24, RB25 range. Now, I understand last year he was extremely valuable on a points per game basis. And, you know, he did that through pretty average efficiency in advanced metrics. On player profiler, it shows that he did do well in the elusiveness ratings and the juke ratings. So he's got some elusiveness to him. He's got some he's got some game to him. Um, I guess I'm just a little bit worried that a guy who is a replacement level running back who has only seventh round draft capital uh, attached to him, I'm really worried about having him in a dynasty format ranked in the 20s. I'm fine if he's on your team and you want to hold, but I'm not valuing him at anything more than like a flyer, essentially. Yeah, so I, I know where you've got him ranked and, uh, you know, Mitch and I are probably a lot closer to, to ADP than you are because his ADP is closer to like 25, right? And I've got him at 24. Mm -hmm. So, so you're the one who's low on him. Uh, but right. But I'll say this: I mean, last year he was number 10 in fantasy points per game, and he was number one in yards per catch. And that's really where he's going to make his money. Is he's going to soak up like four targets a game in that offense? And he's he showed last year he can be incredibly efficient with those uh, those catches. So, so I really like him as a pass catcher. I think that's what. Um, 
makes me more comfortable to put him in that low end RB two range. Uh, and but I, I totally get the where you're you know nervous about him being replaced as like a seventh round pick because you know we just saw that happen to James Robinson right. So if if you know he's effective and but they don't have a lot invested in him, then you know, what's stopping Miami from maybe picking up a running back in the second next year? You know, so um, that risk is definitely there, but. There's also that same risk with other guys like, I don't know, Melvin Gordon or Chris Carson who are getting a little bit later in their careers. Sure. Yeah. And at least for at least for this year, man, like they didn't pick up anybody in the draft except for another guy in the seventh round. So like it's definitely his at least right away. And the coaches like him. They they really do, and they're they're giving him the ball, and they're giving him the opportunities. So uh, that's what you at least want, and I think that's what justifies him at twenty five because that's a starting running back, and they're hard to come by. So yeah, I get. I mean, I guess some of my concerns are just more narrative based than anything. You know, I'm I'm worried that they're gonna sign um, a, a Le'Veon Bell, you know, who works out in Miami. A Duke Johnson who went to school in Miami, Todd Gurley. I mean, I feel like there's these looming kind of shitty veteran running backs that while they are shitty, if they sign in Miami, everybody's going to be panic on panicking on Miles Gaskin. Well, that's good. Then he's and, cheaper. Okay. Not only that, but also I have written down here that I, I feel like Salvan Ahmed is the guy that I would prefer to put a feeler out in for your league. And I've tried to do that the last couple of days in in my leagues just because i think that when he did get the opportunity he showed just as much as miles gaskin and he's way cheaper now i have him ranked you know 20 spots 25 spots below miles gaskin i'm i obviously prefer miles gaskin but if i'm trading for one of them if i'm targeting one of them in my dynasty league i'm going to take the shot on salvan ahmed try to pay you know a a, a third or a fourth round pick or something rather than you know pay up the the second for for miles gaskin yeah i i don't know i mean i wouldn't go out actively targeting miles gaskin because i think uh he kind of has more value on you know to his current owner than than you do uh, his his upside is definitely limited uh, because he's you know just a seventh round uh talent really but uh that said i mean um but look we i mean we talk about when you're like completing a rebuild or go, like transitioning from rebuilding to contending, yeah. those running back spots are kind of the last spot. So if you believe that Miles Gaskin is a bona fide RB2 in 2021 and you're trying to compete, I think it's kind of behooves you to encourage those contenders to go target Miles Gaskin. You know, if you have him ranked where you have him. Yeah, I guess really the point I'm going for is just look at him as like a one or two year guy max, right? Because, okay. you know, there's definitely some risk he could get replaced there. I wouldn't yeah. I wouldn't go so far as to say max. Like, what if he shows out? Just where we punting on him because of his draft cap? Like, I mean, he's super young. Like he could be Chris Carson. Chris Carson is the first one that comes to mind with the late draft capital that kind of just kept sticking around. Uh, and now, you know, has made some money in Seattle. But look, I'm not banging the table, man. I'm just saying that there is a shot and he's very young and they like him. And uh, like, I wouldn't say that this is a one to two year max investment, but it could be. It very well could be. So, yeah. 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 yeah I just I, I I'm I we've been going on about Miles Gaskin for a long time and we're going to move <laughs> on. I, I But I do think he's an interesting player that is like, OK, do 
do we think he's going to be an RB2 in 2021? And if so, he's extremely valuable. I'm just hedging because I'm I'm like terrified that he's going to get replaced by week four. But <laughs> all right. So the, the, the last running back I just wanted to mention, uh, Mitch re- referenced him earlier. Jared Dokes was a seventh round pick out of Cincinnati. Bigger guy. 5'11", 228, has some athleticism with an 87th percentile burst score. This could be a taxi squad guy. I think he's somebody that's worth rostering in, in every uh, dynasty league, just in case, you know. We've seen some other late round guys work out in Miami, so, you know, he could be the next Absolutely. one of mine. He, yeah. he could be the next next Miles Gaskin. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, ne- except like 30 pounds heavier. <laughs> um, so uh, with the wide receivers, Number six overall pick in the 2021 NFL draft was Jalen Waddell out of Alabama. So John Alexander, uh, our our friend who is not here, has been the highest on him. Um, Yeah, John has been the highest on him throughout the process. But of the three people remaining, I am the highest of those present at wide receiver 25. But, you know, neither of you are burying him or anything. Mitch, you got him at wide receiver 28, and Trey, you got him at wide receiver 32. So the question is, and I think Trey has referenced this on a previous pod, does Waddle have a shot at being a wide receiver one at the next level? Or is that a ceiling that is outside of his reach given his production profile? I think based on where we're ranking him, we are saying yes, he does. Like he's in front of guys like LaVisca, uh, Deontay Johnson, Julio Jones, Adam Thielen in my rankings. And if he's in front of guys like that, well, he better have the potential to be that wide receiver one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he was the what the sixth overall pick, right? So uh, there's definitely that wide receiver one upside uh, just mm-hmm. because of his size and his profile. He's going to look a little bit more like. Tyree Kill, or maybe more realistically, Tyler Lockett, if he ever does, you know, reach that wide receiver one level. But um, he's definitely just got tons and tons of upside, and the draft capital reflects that. To go with that, there's also a lot of risk, right? Like huge bust potential too, just based on the fact that he never really broke out in college. But we've talked about that a lot already in the uh, the rookie profiles. Right. Okay. So the guy on the other side is who they brought in on a one year contract, Will Fuller. I am. Actually, also the highest on Fuller in our rankings, and maybe that's a bit of a hangover from last year and what he did on a per-game basis. So last year, he was number seven in fantasy points per game, number one in points per target. Just insane efficiency. (laughs) Obviously, with Deshaun Watson on a different team, he's changing teams here. He's clearly not going to do that again. But is he a useful kind of upside wide receiver three right now on a contender? Or, you know, is this somebody you're just fading? Ooh, I'm not I'm not fading. I don't know if I'm going to say wide receiver three either. I, I, I'm just I'm not going to speak for everyone here, but I'm sure some of you guys can relate with this sentiment. Whenever I see Will Fuller on somebody else's starting lineup, I'm like, God damn it, because you know that he can go nu- nuclear, as we say in Texas. Uh, <laughs> like, yeah, he, I have him at 40. So that puts him at a wide receiver four. But like the dude can be a wide receiver one. He's shown us that. And He's just such a, he's an anomaly, man. He's a tough guy to to rank. Yeah, yeah. I mean, great, great best ball uh, target. I think he and Waddle are going to bring similar type of explosiveness to the offense. That's going to be really exciting seeing them on the field at the same time. And Devontae Parker's no slouch either. I mean, all of those guys kind of look like 15 yards per catch plus type dudes. Uh, 
So right now, if I was betting, I would say Fuller probably has the best fantasy year out of the three. But where I would say realistically, maybe like 60 something catches, maybe 900 yards and six touchdowns. So that kind of keeps him in that wide receiver four territory on season long, which, right. um, you know, I, I, just because there's so many mouths to feed in this offense, I think they're all going to eat into each other's target share a little bit. Yeah, I mean, it'll be really interesting to see what this kind of one year contract that he took does for his market value after this year in Miami, you know if he plays really well, um, they, they will, you know, have the cap space and the ability to resign him if they, if he wants, but maybe he'll, he'll move on to another place and then we'll kind of have to readjust our valuations of Will Fuller moving forward. All right. So there's also Devonte Parker and Preston Williams. We have Parker at wide receiver 52 in our rankings and Williams at wide receiver 75, Anything interesting to say about these guys? They're they're kind of more contested catch guys who worked really well with Ryan Fitzpatrick, not necessarily with Tua. Tua has talked recently about wanting to get give his wide receivers an opportunity to make contested catches, which is not really his game. Are we buying that narrative? Do you think that could happen? Is are as Parker or Williams somebody you might, you know, throw out a trash offer for? I think I'm punting Devonte to the sun, but oh, I don't know what you're doing. Trey. I'm fading. I'm fading both those guys hard. I think Miami already told us what they think about those guys by bringing in a priority free agent and drafting a wide receiver in the first ten picks. So, uh, yeah, there. I don't think either one has much of a future in this offense. But what about Lynn Bowden, guys? What about no? Oh yeah, <laughs> our fr- our friend Bill is going to be really mad if we don't talk for at least a little bit about Lynn Bowden. Well, I got nothing uh, else to say. I, I, I just, you know, just, <laughs> yeah, you I think, I talk. think we have, I think we have him in our rankings as a running back and then most places have him as a wide receiver. So, um, I think we're all just confused about Lynn Bowden. So let's move on <laughs> to the tight ends. Um, we got Mike Gesicki at consensus tight end 10 in our rankings. And then Hunter long, the third round pick at a Boston college at tight end 28. So I'm the lowest on Mike Gesicki. I have him at tight end 16. I personally just don't think he's like very good. I think he has elite athleticism. He had a lot of air yards last year and just wasn't very efficient with them. And he didn't have an elite target rate in in terms of if you consider how many routes he ran because he ran the third most routes in the NFL, uh, especially from the slot out of all tight ends. So I just think they brought in two receivers. They drafted another tight end with pretty good draft capital. And I just think the writing is on the wall that Gasecki is probably, he's not long for Miami. Yeah, and and so what I have to say to that is even if he doesn't ultimately re-sign in Miami, he could very well get a big free agent deal, just like what we just saw with with Hunter Henry and, and Johnny Smith. So uh I'm I'm certainly higher on him than you are. I've got him as my uh, tight end nine, right behind Dallas Goddard. I love the athletic profile. Um, you mentioned he's not very efficient. Uh, the athleticism is insane. 99th percentile athlete. Right, right. It's go go check out on player player profiler if you haven't seen it already because it's just like 100% bars across the board. But um, I mean, you mentioned he wasn't super efficient, but the uh, 13.3 yards per catch was both better than Johnny Smith and Henry last year, who were both underneath 11. Mm-hmm. So, and and with the target share, yeah, if we project maybe 5.7 targets a game uh, this year, there's actually room for upside on top of that if 
say Hunter Long kind of takes a little bit to, to adjust to the NFL. Um, maybe Tua leans more on his tight end in year two. Uh, the thing I didn't really say with Tua is they kind of kept the training wheels on him last year. So I could definitely see him airing it out a little bit more, maybe focusing on Gusecki a little bit more. So I think there's definitely upside for him in this offense. Yeah, and let me get on this too because I'm right there with you. Um, like he's had three different offensive coordinators. Yeah. He's 25 years old. He's healthy. He's improved every season going into year four. And this is a tight end, man. Like tight ends take time sometimes. And I think I think you're just punting one year too early. I think you got to give him this year. Yeah. Because I I don't know. I might not be singing the same song next year, but. I think this year we have to be patient. I suck at being patient. I hate it, but <laughs> he was tied in yeah. seven last year. So you don't even have to be that patient, right? That's fair. Look, look it was only a third round pick on Hunter long and they know Gusecki's in a contract year. So I think it's a smart move by Miami. And I don't think that's reason to fade Gusecki. Yeah. I mean the other, that's the other perspective is they're just making smart football moves, which is mm. draft mm. a year early ahead of guys leaving. So that's a great point, Trey. Uh, maybe I will raise Gesicki in my rankings. You've, you've convinced me. Very <laughs> you should. Well. You should. All right, let's move on to the next team, which is the New England Patriots, starting with the quarterback. Drafted Mac Jones at number 15 overall. Didn't have to move up for him. We got him ranked as quarterback 23 in our rankings. And the other guy who right now is the presumptive starter, at least to start the season, is Cam Newton, who they brought back on a one-year deal quarterback 31 in our consensus rankings how do we see this qb competition shaking out we were texting about this in our group chat earlier this week and i think we have some differing perspectives so mitch let's start with you well it's it's tough i feel like the consensus between us was that cam would get the job at the beginning and then we kind of put the over under at well when would he lose it week four six eight i i don't know i i feel like that's the situation. I, I don't see a scenario where Mac Jones takes the job off the bat, and I don't see a situation where Cam Newton keeps the job the entire season. So I think it's more just, you know, uh, when than if. Yeah, I, I mean, based on the fact that they used a 15th overall pick on Mac Jones, I think it's going to be his job sooner than later. Uh, so I wouldn't be totally surprised if he was the day one starter. But, you know, he's also not the the rusher that uh, Cam Newton is. So we, what we've seen in that offense before was like a declining Tom Brady, who, you know, found second life down in Tampa. And, uh, you know, that was not a, a quarterback that you wanted on your fantasy roster. So I think just based on the pace of play, the weapons that they have in, um, in the receiver and tight end room, I wouldn't say Mac Jones is going to be a super effective fantasy quarterback in 2021. There's definitely room for him to grow, but he's probably low-end QB2, high-end QB3 this year. Yeah, what makes this so hard to project to me is that there just like could not be two more different QBs on the same right. roster competing for the same job, right? You know, you could talk about Teddy Bridgewater and Drew Locke. They're pretty different. It kind of reminds me of like the inverse of when Lamar came into the league and Joe Flacco was the starter <laughs> and then Lamar Jackson took over. It's it's the inverse, right? Because you had Joe Flacco, who's this like statuesque quarterback, and then Lamar Jackson, who's like one of the most amazing, you know, rushing threats, regardless of position of all time. Right. And Cam Newton fits into that category, too. You know, he's on the back nine of his career. But so when Mac Jones does come in, 
they're really going to have to change the offense, right? And obviously, Josh McDaniels and Bill Belichick are capable of doing that, but it makes it so hard for me to project like when that's going to happen. Me personally, because he's a first-round quarterback and first-round quarterbacks always get an opportunity when there's ambiguity, I think it's going to happen by week six. Man, it's just weird to me that we say that he's on the back nine of his career. Like, he's still pretty young, like, objectively as far as quarterbacks go, right? Like, how old is Cam? What, 32, 31? Yeah, 31, 32. Yeah, he's he's pretty young. I mean, his his body is not young. <laughs> no, I, I agree with you. It's just, it's crazy to, to put him up there with like, oh man, he's probably got a season or two left. But like, that's how it feels with him. Like It really does. In yeah. Dynasty, like you, you feel like you're getting a rental because that's what he is. He, he did not play well last year. He looked like he should have been retired already. So That's brutal. Yeah, I, I think Mac Jones is, I'll take that bet, Tarek. I'll say before week six. Yeah. And, you know, once he does take over again, I'm not super high on Mac Jones. I have he's going to play this year baked into my rankings and I have him as, you know, QB 24 or something like that, because I just think his ceiling is like Kirk Cousins best year. Right. Which will be a low end QB one. Right. But that's his ceiling. Like, I'm not going to project Tom Brady as his ceiling because Tom Brady's the fucking goat, you know, so. How does it how does it go, Tarek? Yeah, bad. <laughs> but but here's the thing, and and this is this is an intentional segue here. But uh, I think Mac Jones opens up the rest of the offense for all the other guys there. So when when you've got Cam Newton on the field, he's vulturing these goal line touches from guys like Damian Harris, mm-hmm. and Mac Jones is gonna like open up the field. You know, get that eighth defender out of the box and and create some more running lanes for that offense, and probably creates more opportunities for those receivers too. So. Uh, yeah, for the other guys in this offense, I hope we see Mac Jones sooner than later. I like that perspective. Let's let's move on to the running backs. So per usual, we have just a glut in the New England backfield. We got Damian Harris at RB35 in consensus, Ramondre Stevenson at 49, and then the elder statesman James White at RB59, and the other elder statesman, at least in terms of his knee, Sony Michelle at <laughs> RB60. So Trey... I found this interesting when I was kind of looking over our rankings. You are the highest on both Harris and Stevenson. So explain your thinking for this. Are you just high on this rushing attack in general? Or, or are you just high? <laughs> <laughs> no, man. Uh, Damian Harris, I think, is just easy value at whatever he's ranked right now. Like uh, running back 34 behind some of these handcuffs is ridiculous to me. I think he should easily be low end running back two. Uh, just to start out the year with tons of upside for more. Uh, I see him being the clear lead man in this offense, getting a, a 1,200 yards rushing and, and nine touchdown season. I, I think it's very, I think it's very realistic for him. The, the issue that he has is that uh, he has never been a big target in the passing game. Mm-hmm. And uh, guess what? They um, well. I, I was just about to say James White is still there, but but he's not, right? Like, uh, did it... I think James, I think James White resigned. Yeah, okay, he yeah, resigned. Okay. He's, he's resigned. there. Yeah, one I, year deal. I was tripping. I was thinking of uh, Gio Bernard instead. Uh, but yeah, so James White is still there, right? So that's still gonna like prevent Harris from uh, from getting those targets. But um, yeah, there's there's tons of path for volume there. And like I said, once uh, Cam is gone, vulturing goal line work for Harris that'll open up some more red zone touches too. Man, I I don't see what you're seeing, like. In the ten games that he's he started, and what he put up like six ninety one two tubs, and he got five passes for fifty two yards, which like 
Not bad, I guess, until uh, he disappeared back into nothingness. The dude's been just injured, and he's, guess what, a Patriots running back, which is just awful, man. Like, I hate every single one of these guys. It's It's been the same thing in fantasy for over a decade. It's it's Patriots running backs, man. The thing that was different is last year was the worst that offense has ever been, like, in, in recent history, right? So, you know, what is... Once Mac Jones is there driving the bus, do we think that that offense is going to be just as bad? I don't think so. I think that the running back rotation will be business as usual, though. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's certainly always going to be frustrating to a certain extent in New England as long as the same regime is running it there, and they, they will be for the foreseeable future. But, you know, let's not be disingenuous. There have been really productive seasons from New England running backs, you know, whether we're going back to Stephen Ridley or if we want to talk about LeGarrette Blunt or James White has had some great PPR seasons. So I think there's value to be found here. Trey, I just wanted to loop back to you and ask. So if you're so high kind of, you know, run low end running back two on Damian Harris, how are you also the highest out of all of us on Ramondre Stevenson? Yeah. So so let me just say this. I mean, I so for the close of the book on Damian Harris, right? Like he's going to be the lead man in that backfield. So I just don't see why you would pick a handcuff like Pollard or AJ Dillon, who very much are not going to see volume unless some, something happens to that starter. Mm-hmm. And for Damian Harris, if something happened to uh, James White or Stevenson, then he's going to see more volume too. So um, I, I that just doesn't make sense to me. And for, for Ramondre, I think it's more just about uh, the prospect and the fact that he fills uh, a kind of a role that they don't they don't necessarily have on that team. He has shown really great pass catching ability for his size. He's shown great agility for his size, and you know he's a fourth round pick. So they didn't spend a lot of draft capital on him, but he comes a lot cheaper than some of the other fourth rounders like Michael Carter. Yeah, and um, I, I'm probably a little bit too high on him just because I don't think he's going to get a ton of usage this year as a rookie based on how Bill Belichick uses his rookies. But I'm kind of baking in that if uh, Sony Michelle leaves, which I think he will, and if anything were to happen to Damian Harris, I think Stevenson would be a high value handcuff in like the mid 40 range of ADP. Okay. All right. Let's, let's move on to the pass catchers. Now we're just going to gloss over wide receivers really quick because this is just a, a phenomenally terrible group. Uh, <laughs> the first one that's ranked in our consensus is Nelson Aguilar. And we got him tanked all the way down to wide receiver 82. Now I think Mitch, I think you put him in your ranks uh, what, once we were preparing for this episode, <laughs> but before he wasn't in there and John still doesn't have Nelson Aguilar in his ranks. So, and I'm the only guy who ranked Nikhil Harry uh, before, you know, today. So is there anyone with the wide receiver designation on this team you might want to put a feeler out for in your dynasty leagues? Mitch or Trey, take it. Uh, I I do have Nikhil Harry on one roster of mine, and I flirt with dropping him all the time. <laughs> and it's it's just one of those guys that had so much, like, draft cap and potential that like it's it's tough to punt on him and it's probably that time I was kind of hoping he got traded or at least released and went somewhere else but not really he's wide receiver 71 and Aguilar kind of same situation like I, I think the tight ends are the number one receivers in that offense right now so yeah I'm not I'm not into this yeah, I mean, Aguilar, I think, is going to have standalone value this year. I think he's a good dart throw at the very end of your your redraft. 
uh, draft this year. So, because mm-hmm. I, I do think he is going to be the number one receiver in that offense. But the guy that I would like taking a late round flyer on in startups is Jacoby Myers. Uh, okay. He had almost six targets a game last year. And it, like I said, it was not a very good offense, but he still saw commanded some decent volume. And, you know, the only other guy they kind of brought in for that slot role competition is Kendrick Bourne, who's never mm-hmm. really uh, commanded targets at any point in his career so far. So, But they Myers, still gave him three years and $15 million, which makes no freaking sense. Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, they gave some questionable contract, contracts out in free agency for sure. But I, but that at least means he's going to be in the conversation for some snaps. Yeah, and I'm telling you, I think me, Jacoby Myers sure. is going to win because I think he's better. And yeah, he fair. fits okay. that he fits that undrafted former quarterback slot receiver kind of role that we've seen in the past has a ton of value in that offense. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, let's move on to the real wide receiver one and wide receiver two in this offense, at least as they are projected in ADP and our rankings. And that is the tight ends. So this is where they spent their real money this offseason. And we got Janu Smith at tight end 11 and Hunter Henry at tight end 12 in our consensus rankings. So I think all of us have a slight preference for one over the other. And in a dynasty format, you probably want to choose one or none to target. Like I think in redraft, it's actually a good strategy to maybe like in the double digit rounds of your redraft drafts to draft both and then see which one pans out. Um, But in dynasty... Uh, we, that, that, I that's don't know, buddy. a little redraft, a little redraft <laughs> preview for you. But in Dynasty, I think you got to pick one. Uh, and and so let's talk about which one we prefer, you know, each of us. Well, I, I don't know if I even agree with that. Like, why not go for both of them in Dynasty? Then you got a 100% chance well, you got the guy that way. You got a 100% fucking annoying day because you're going to have to flip the coin right before coin toss and hope yeah. that you chose yeah. the right guy because that's what the situation is going to be is frustrating. <laughs> yeah. Like, which guy is going to be? Because I think they're both going to get looks. They both made money. And yeah, yeah it's, I, I don't know. They could be one and two and it, they could both be productive. I could absolutely see that. And I don't know. I have Johnny at ten and Henry at eleven, but I, yeah. I I don't know. Maybe start them both. Fuck it. Yeah, <laughs> fuck it. Tarek, you're gonna get mad at me. I, I need to uh, probably put Johnny ahead of Henry because I'm noticing now I've got Henry one spot above. So this is another live rankings update on air here. But, uh, <laughs> no, I like it. I like those. No, nah, Johnny at ADP, I would say Johnny is the better value just because I think he's got higher upside than Henry does. Yeah, same. I think athletically, um, he is is the guy that I would bet on because one, they paid him a little bit more. They paid him for an extra year. They signed him first. He was their priority. And yeah, I just think like athletically he has a higher ceiling. And as Trey has mentioned a few times, we like those athletic tight ends. And Hunter Henry is athletic in his own right, but he's not Jonu Smith when it comes to speed and burst. Okay. Ooh, done with the first half. Let's <laughs> move on. Mic check for it is halftime. Shout out to Nasty Nas. Uh, just a reminder, our halftime segment is a question that I ask of our panelists each week, and they respond with an argument-based answer, and I choose arbitrarily, at least according to my own biases, who had the best argument. This week, this is the question, or I guess it's actually a command. It's not really a question. (laughs) Name a wide receiver currently ranked in the top 25 of DLF ADP that you are fading at their current price. That's the command. Mitch, 
Name one. Devontae Adams at his current price. Uh, his current price is number five. And like what? Tay can only get worse than he did last year if he finished first. Uh, and right now he's sitting at number five as far as his value goes. But I actually took a look at our personal pre-draft rankings versus post-NFL draft rankings. Trey had him at two, Tarek had him at three, John had him at one, and I had him at five. Now, post-draft, post-Aaron Rodgers, all of that, Trey has him at five, Tarek has him at eight, John still has him at one, and I have him at eight. And what that what that means to me is that his talent didn't diminish during that time period, and like it, it just looks like the Rodgers thing isn't going to get resolved. And I'm not saying he sucks, absolutely not. But without Rodgers, his price isn't wide receiver five. So I can't get in on that. And, you know, that's a big teardrop as well. So if I can flip him, if I'm on the opposite side of that, if I could flip him for somebody that still has him ranked at number one, then I'm trying to get in on that as well. For some reason, I was not expecting you to go that high in the ranking. So I like it. Maybe I'm just maybe I'm just too damn high. (laughs) I like it. All right, Trey, your go. All right. All right. So uh, my guy to fade at his current ADP is uh, DJ Moore. Uh, he's right now at ADP. He's uh, wide receiver 11. Uh, I've got him a four spots lower at wide receiver 15. So it's not even a huge fade, but um, Sam Darnold to me is a enormous question mark at quarterback. And uh, I think it is definitely a step down in terms of consistency compared to Teddy Bridgewater. Like, yes, he's got a high ceiling, but he could also come in and throw 25 picks and just totally disrupt what they want to do in that offense. So there is a non-zero chance that Sam Darnold is replaced by the end of the season and not still the starting quarterback at the end of the year. So, I mean, DJ Moore, going back to him, wide receiver 22 last year, out-targeted by his teammate Robbie Anderson. Then they drafted uh, Terrace Marshall in the third. I think he looks like a wide receiver too uh, for this year. Um, So I don't know if I'm comfortable drafting him as – a low end one in a startup. So, um, you know, he projects like for fairly good target share, like maybe 7.6 per game at 20% share. So he doesn't really have a whole lot more room to go up from there. And uh, so in a startup, I'd rather go for some of the guys lower than him at their current DLF ADP uh, guys like uh, Terry McLaurin and uh, Godwin, who I think are probably better chances to hit wide receiver one status this year. Okay, lots of good information in there from both of you. Um, I think I'm going to go with Mitch this week. Um, I, I Mostly because of my own biases, because as Mitch highlighted very well, I moved him down from wide receiver three to wide receiver eight in the last month. So I am obviously fading too. And I, Trey, our guy that we reference a lot on the show, at DF Bean Counter earlier today, tweet out a graphic of most total yards by wide receivers before age 24 got randy moss at the top then mike evans then deandre hopkins and at number four is dj moore so he's already got 3390 yards in his career on 229 touches before the age of 24 you referenced darnold is a question mark for sure but he's had question marks at quarterback throughout his entire career and he's just continued to produce so because of my biases coming into this show of what I saw on Twitter earlier, I'm going to go with Mitch. <laughs> well, hey, man, your your biases are why I went with DJ Moore instead of CD Lamb. So, <laughs> oh, man, y'all would have put me on blast if somebody picked <laughs> CD Lamb and I had to like I had to just completely dismiss that argument. But all right. 
Well, congrats, Mitch. Uh, I think you're 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 slowly creeping back into these standings in the in the meaningless halftime points. So creeping, that's what I'm here to do. Trey, you gotta you gotta appeal to my biases a little bit more, bro. Come scoreboard. <laughs> scoreboard. <laughs> <laughs> what is the scoreboard? Yeah, I, I have no know. idea. I have no fucking idea. <laughs> yeah, John keeps track of it. We're a mess without you, buddy. <laughs> a fucking mess. Let's move into the second half content where we are talking about the Buffalo Bills and the New Jersey Jets. We're going to start out with New Jersey at quarterback, Zach Wilson season, QB 20 in our consensus rankings, and we're all right there. So Trey's got him at 19, I've got him at 20, and Mitch has got him at 21. So for some context, I've got Tom Brady right ahead of him in my rankings. And I think if you're rebuilding, you can comfortably trade Brady for Wilson. And you can probably get a little bit more than just Wilson if you're trading Brady to a contender. So that is my perspective on Wilson. I really like this kid. I really liked his 2020 tape. I'm rising on him. I feel like I've been rising on him all throughout the process. But uh, I'll hand it over to one of you. What do y'all think about Zach? I, I think I should probably be higher on him than uh, the 19 right now, just because he does present that same level of uh, rushing upside as a guy like uh, Trevor Lawrence does, you know? Um, I And he's got some good weapons there. You know, he's got a great pass catcher, a great set of pass catchers there at running back. And, uh, you know, really crowded, but really talented wide receiver room too. So with the weapons and, and you know, with what we would expect out of that coaching staff, I think... Uh, I think Wilson probably should be higher than this 1920 uh, uh, ADP right now. Yeah, I agree, guys. And I just I'd like to point out that they just like it's not the same old Jets right now. They got a completely new thing in New Jersey right now. It's uh you know New Year, New Me, or like New Year, New Jersey, or whatever. But like, could you guys even name their leading rusher last year? It's it's Frank fucking Gore, the immortal one. <laughs> All right, like this Frank is. Gore. This is this is a new this is a new situation, and uh, like yeah, I'm I'm high on this kid t- on this kid too. I think I screwed up. He's at quarterback twenty. I don't know who I want to push him ahead of because I want to see some of this work out. Maybe that's the bias on the old Jets, but yeah, it, it just gets really hard because then I'm like, okay, am I moving him ahead of a guy like? Matt Ryan may be pretty easy, but then once you get into the conversations with the Tua's and the Baker Mayfields, it, it just gets a little bit harder because, you know, um, of their various upsides and, and pedigrees and stuff like that. So it's really hard to move players up. But I think Trey makes a really good argument when he says he presents that rushing upside that guys like Baker and Tua don't. So, all right, uh, let's move on to running back. We have Michael Carter, rookie out of UNC at RB30. And actually, while I was preparing for this episode, and this is why I really like doing these divisional previews because it allows me to just dig deep on every single player, I actually moved him up four spots, Michael Carter, in my rankings because I realized how low I was on everyone else, that being LaMichael P. Ryan and Tevin Coleman. And despite the fourth round draft capital, which is less than ideal, I did like President Carter's film at UNC. So I moved him up uh, to RB29, which I think is in line with where Trey has him. Um, so I'm, I'm rising on Carter a little bit. What do we think? Well, so right now, I mean, in this division, he's my running back three behind Gaskin and Harris. So it seems like most people have kind of started taking him ahead of Harris which seems like it's it's like rookie fever to me. You know, he's he was a fourth round pick. Um, they're still they 
I know it's a new day in New Jersey, right? But they are still the Jets, and that that O line is going to be rebuilt overnight. And they have Tevin Coleman there, who's going to eat into his uh, his carries. So yes, he presents some upside, but you know, running backs picked in the fourth round uh, occasionally go the way of Josh Kelly, like last year, or Anthony McFarland the year before. So, um, or I, maybe he was last year. Maybe I'm confusing with somebody else. But either way. Uh, there's there's tons and tons of busts and, and running backs who are drafted in that range. I just think those guys are not necessarily the same type of running back as President Carter is here. I think he's more of that third down back, one of those outside the tackles kind of guy. And I think he'll fill his role there as where like Tevin Coleman. I, I wouldn't be worried. I, I don't think any of us are too worried about him. Tarek didn't even rank him, right? So, yeah, no. Um, I, he should probably be ranked. Yeah, I but. I think I have him at like forty four or forty seven or something like that. Like nothing crazy, but he's still going to be relevant in the beginning of the year, I think. But yeah. So Mitch, real quick, I know you don't like the the timeshare that the Patriots traditionally do, but why would you go for a third down type running back over somebody who projects to be the lead guy like Damian Harris? Because I don't predict anybody to be the lead guy in New England. And especially based on his injury history and the way that New England likes to mix things up there, I don't see him getting consistent like fantasy production as where I could see Carter being part of the offense and part of a good passing offense with all of those pieces. And like he just plays that role where I think he'll get touches as where I, I think the touches might be limited in New England. Yeah, I mean, I've got him really close and, and they're definitely gonna be passing the ball a lot and uh uh, in New Jersey, just with um, how often they're going to be uh, playing from behind, so that that does <laughs> that does bode well for Carter. Mitch was texting us before we started recording about Tevin Coleman, and I do think you made a good point about like there's a really good chance that he is the starting running back in Week One because of his ties to that uh, that coaching staff. So mm -hmm. I think he's somebody that we got to pay attention to. He's definitely somebody that if he has a big Week One or Week Two, sell the living shit out of him. Yeah, he's for pretty sure. old, right? And I'm Pretty yeah, sure he's, he's up there. Yeah, I think he's 29 now. Yeah. Um, so T Tevin Coleman sucks. So if he has a big game <laughs> one or game two, just Flip please him. sell him. We're, we're Chris Harris fans around here. I think he calls him a, uh, what was it, like turkey mayo sandwich? Yeah, Thank turkey you. mayo sandwich. Yeah. Wait, like the, after the, Thanksgiving turkey mayo sandwich? Because no, that's just no, slaps. Just like just totally, just totally plain, just a guy, just a turkey uh, mayo sandwich. Uh, okay. <laughs> what's, what's the, what's the, the mixtape drop? Stands up right on straight run. That's right. That's right. Tevin <laughs> Coleman is a turkey mayo. <laughs> we're, we're Chris Harris fans right here. We we love the Harris Football Podcast. All right, let's move on to the pass catchers. Elijah Moore was drafted in the beginning of the second round this year in 2021. He's wide receiver 37 in our consensus. So for some context, he's around the Debo Samuel, Curtis Samuel, kind of Tyler Lockett range. Speed slot like a lot of those other guys in that range, great analytic profile, good draft capital. Guys, what is Elijah Moore's ceiling? I'm drinking the Kool-Aid. I'm drinking it. I'm chugging it. I think his ceiling is the moon. He's coming from wide receiver U right now. Corey Davis already found the ground with his shoulder, and, you know, he's got time to build chemistry. Uh, he can build chemistry with Wilson, and Wilson is actually good. Well, let's. I, I don't know where that ceiling could be. This kid's good. And uh, I think that's why he's so high on our rankings. Yeah. I, so I have his ceiling right as the same as a guy like Jalen Waddle. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't think he projects as Tyreek Hill, but he very well could be uh, Tyler Lockett, who you already mentioned. 
it just seems crazy to me that, you know, you take a rookie who's like a total unknown and trade him for a guy like Tyler Lockett, who's, you know, incredibly like underrated every single year. So um, I, I've seen somebody talk about this before on Twitter, but I agree with it. I think, you know, Elijah Moore could potentially be perennially underrated every single year of his uh, career <laughs> as, a, as a pro. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He Tyler, another guy that I feel like he draws a lot of comparisons to is Jarvis Landry. Who's another guy who always finishes ahead of where he is drafted, but every single year we completely underrate him and Elijah Moore also a slot guy, but way more athletic than a guy like Jarvis Landry. So I think Tyler Lockett is a really good comp. Yeah. And, and, and I don't mean to, um, totally punt on this, but I, I look at it a lot like the the Dolphins receiver room too. It's a very crowded room. Uh, I If I had to bet on one guy to lead the way this year, it would be Corey Davis just because he has the most established pro, arguably the best receiver in the room. Uh, but mm-hmm. Elijah Moore rightfully should be the highest in the ranks because he's got the highest upside coming in as a rookie. Man, I see Corey Davis as the the odd man out of the of the three of them. Mims and Moore and Davis, like he's he a just great... got a pretty pretty big contract. He did. I just you know maybe maybe that's it. He just never could be the alpha. Like he just never showed that. And yeah. and like I don't see him doing that now. I'd say Mims is better than him on the outside. Like he's a great blocker. And like I wish he stayed in Tennessee as a Titans fan. But I feel like Corey Davis for me is in like wide receiver four territory for life. Yeah, I, I can't I don't I can't see any scenario where I'm moving him up out of that range. Yeah. And let me just say, I don't like Corey Davis much higher than ADP either. Right. So I don't I wouldn't say go out and target him. I just think if I had to pick one guy to to be the, the number one receiver, it would probably be Davis. And he'd probably be in that wide receiver four Will Fuller range, too. Let me just mention on Denzel Mims. What I have noticed in our main dynasty league is he has been like a throw in player in like five trades, right? So he's (laughs) just moved around to a bunch of teams. And I think that's right. Like, I think Denzel Mims is a guy that you should target as a throw in player, because I do think with his athleticism, he he still has some upside that is, you know, potentially untapped there. And you you can get him as a throw in asset instead of like a third round pick, right? Yo, I was three of those trades. I sold him. Uh, no, I sold him once and bought him twice. <laughs> yeah, well, Bill Tarek, you, you mentioned DF Bean Counter already this episode. So, uh, you know, Mims is a classic DF Bean pa- Face plant. Uh, face plant, exactly. So, I mean, that's the screaming sell. Um, but the other, the flip side of that is the reception perception profile that just came out on him that was super high. So, uh, yeah, I mean, there's definitely some risk there for, with him coming into year two. It's a new day in uh, New Jersey. So, yeah, I mean, it's definitely possible that he could be the lead receiver in that room. Well, I love DF being counter, but you guys know Matt Harmon is bay. All right, so the tight ends. Wait, you don't want to talk about Jamison Crowder, dude? <laughs> I am legit. Uh, I am legitimately surprised that it is June third and Jamison Crowder is still a New Jersey Jet. But I mean, he he is a good security blanket, so maybe they're just like keeping him around to help out their rookie quarterback. I I'm I was like ninety nine percent this guy was getting shit canned, but hey, I guess I guess. He's still they, there. They like him there. So I don't. Yeah. Still there for now. I, I would not be mad at anybody for dropping Jamison Crowder, which is really disrespectful because he's had some really good games as a pro, but I'm just yeah. done. I don't I don't care about Jamison Crowder. All right. Let's talk about the tight ends for literally 20 seconds. Chris Herndon's still hanging around. Kenny Yeboah is the UDFA from Temple and Ole Miss had six touchdowns in his super senior season. So not an exciting profit, uh, prospect. Are we 
even trying to maybe target Chris Herndon for the cheapest of compensation? I am. I'll make a very quick case for him. He's still 25. He's still 6'4 and 252. He did absolutely fuck all last year up until the grand finale where he got two touchdowns, one in each of the last two games. I've considered punting on him in leagues that I have him. It's year four again. He has that breakout potential with with a new quarterback and a new system, or he's going to be worth nothing, which is what you're going to have to pay to get him anyway. So... I don't know, man. Like, I'm not going out of my way to do it, but I'm not ready to punt on him yet. Yeah, I don't think it's very bold for me to say it's not going to happen, but I just don't even think it's worth your time. I think it's just roster clog at this point. We shall see. I'm not dying on that hill. Come come August, I guarantee you Chris Herndon's season will be back in full swing. Guys, I'll say it. Don't, Don't buy the hype. Is there hype? Yeah, it's coming, man. It's it's there, coming. They're all this. There always is on Chris Herndon. Oh, I don't. Okay, I'm not going that far, guys. I'm I'm really not. Okay, all right. Well, speaking of hype, this last team that we're going to talk about was a hype ass team last year, and that's the Buffalo Bills. And it's led by the man, the myth, the legend, Josh Allen, who is QB two across the board for us. So it's Patrick Mahomes, then it's Josh Allen for all of us. Incredible year as a passer, above average to elite in almost every advanced metric per player profiler, top seven in yards per attempt, raw and adjusted, top 10 in deep ball accuracy, top five in clean pocket accuracy. Dude was slinging it like fucking Tom Brady last year from the pocket. It was insane. An ascendance from year one to year two, that was astounding. And then year two to year three, that was just truly unprecedented. I mean... He's a baller, right? He's a fucking beast. Yeah, he's running back one in Buffalo. He's quarterback <laughs> one in Buffalo. It's an exciting time to be a Bills fan. Like, it's a fun offense to watch and, like, a great inve- uh, a great offense to invest in in fantasy. I'm sure the manager of Josh Allen isn't selling, but might want to, you know, always good to do a price check, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. I think uh, uh, kind of across the board right now, I think we've got him as our, uh, as our quarterback, too. And I'll just I'll admit to you guys, I definitely thought back and forth about putting Kyler Murray ahead of Josh Allen. Ultimately, I went with Josh Allen just because I think he is maybe a better passer based on what we saw last year. Absolutely. Yeah, what, right? Based on what we've seen, <laughs> he was on, incredible. Based on what we saw last year, right? So, And then on top of that, I mean, he just doesn't rely on the running aspect of his game as much as Kyler Murray does, even though it is still a huge part of his value and a reason why he should be your number two quarterback overall behind Mahomes. Right, right. Yeah, so, and I just want to mention, like, this is maybe the only backup quarterback that we're going to be referencing in this series, but Mitchell Trubisky, he's quarterback 41 in our rankings, and to me, he's a priority owned in Superflex Dynasty Leagues because while Josh Allen doesn't rely on his legs as much as a guy like Kyler Murray, he will put his shoulder down, right? So I think he's... Uh, he's got some reasonable injury risk to him. And I think with that offense, with Brian Dable calling the plays, I think if Mitch Trubisky does get a couple games in there, he can win you some games in Superflex. So if you're in a Superflex Dynasty League, I think you should scoop Mitch Trubisky up off the waiver wire if he's there. He's probably not, but just saying. Well, you know, if he if he does provide that value too, it might be more than just a one year value because then you know if he performs well, another team might. He only signed a one year deal, so in right, dynasty, right. like he he does have value. Yeah, and 
hopefully hopefully Josh Allen grows out of that too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we, and we've seen that with quarterbacks. They kind of learn how to avoid hits. And, you know, Josh Allen has clearly shown an ability to develop. So, okay, at the running back position, we got Devin Singletary, running back 37, and Zach Moss, running back 39 in our consensus. Both are pretty fucking bad. I think Singletary has more juice, but I think the team is more invested in Moss being the guy after how they behaved down the stretch last year before he got hurt. So this is kind of narrative street that you're going to see on Twitter a lot. Like they were really feeding Zach Moss the ball kind of in the second half of the year before they got hurt. So I think they're kind of done with Devin Singletary in my mind and they're trying to give it to Zach Moss, but Zach Moss gets hurt all the time. So that's going to be continue to be an issue. Don't forget about Brita, dude. And Matt Breida's there too now. I, I think, you know, I didn't watch a ton of uh, Buffalo last year, but from what I saw, it looks like they are trying to establish a true timeshare between those two guys. So right now per, for projecting carries, I've got them actually super close to each other and you know, from what we've seen so far out of Singletary, while they may not like him, he is marginally more efficient than Zach Moss is in yards per carry and yards per catch. And, you know, they really didn't throw the ball to Zach Moss a whole lot. And they, they've given uh, Devin Singletary more than three targets a game uh, over his first two years. So I think Singletary um, has now dropped lower than Zach Moss in price. And I would much rather take the cheaper guy in this timeshare, who I think is more efficient statistically and has more pass yeah. catching upside. Are you looking for either of these guys? Because I want nothing to do with either of them at all for almost any price. I think I think Singletary is now turning into a decent value at ADP. Yes. I'm not saying I'm like going out actively targeting him uh, because, you know, he is probably going to fall in that like running back three range alongside Zach Moss. But, you know, he's currently what ADP like 40 or later. Yeah. So I think at that value, it's he's turning into um, not bad for the price. Yeah. I don't know. But when you guys laughed at Matt Breida, like it's to me, he's the same guy as all of those. I think they're all the same. Like, I I don't know. Matt, like, Matt, I, Matt Breida is a lot faster than both. Of yeah, they're all the I, same I, in value sure. as in like they're just none of this is worth investing in. Well, in so Matt Breida to me has absolutely no value, whereas I think Singletary and Zach Moss will be relevant flex players this year. Yeah, look, we I, we referenced Chris Harris earlier. He's a, he's a talent evaluator that I really trust, and he really likes Devin Singletary a lot more than Zach Moss. So I think while the narrative is out there that they're trying to give Zach Moss the work, um, if you're a guy that believes in talent over everything and you trust an eye like Chris Harris, um, I think there's something to what Trey is saying here that Devin Singletary might be becoming a value in terms of where he's at in ADP. All right, uh, the wide receivers. So we got Stefan Diggs at wide receiver six in our consensus. He broke the wide receiver changing teams rule, which makes sense in hindsight given Josh Allen's progression. And we talked about Devontae Adams in halftime. Uh, I didn't think I would be saying this at this point in time in the offseason, but I want Stephon Diggs more than Devontae Adams now. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, I don't even know if that's bold. Like, yeah, I agree. Not, not controversial anymore, right? I mean, in terms of where they're ranked in ADP, it may be a little bit controversial, but... So, I mean, look at what he did last year. It was absolutely insane. I think he led the league in, uh, in targets, which um, it just shows, like, he how he had every right to be pissed off, like, being buried in Minnesota uh, before leaving there. So, yeah, I think he 
he is a lock for another uh, top 10, most likely top five season this year. Um, and he's, what, 27, right? So uh, he's probably got another three or four years of like good production ahead of him. So yeah, I mean, what else is there to say? He's he is a, um, <laughs> a, a locked in a top six wide receiver. Yeah, if you got him, you're happy. All right, so let's move on to something a little bit more interesting than uh, than Stefan Diggs, who is great, but you know we pretty much all agree about that. He's pretty good. Yeah, Gabriel Davis is wide receiver 58 for us in consensus, but Mitch has him all the way up at 45. So Mitch, take it away, my friend. Thank you, thank you. So I've been watching a lot of tape on this guy. Uh, he's been creeping up my board since last year. Um, he's been one of those guys that I feel like you're kind of running out of time to buy at his current price. Uh, this argument goes beyond like his incredible body control and like sideline catch ability, which, which I got super excited about on some of our pilot episodes, but I'll, I'll break down his usage in the beginning of the season real quick. Like he was primarily used as the second tight end in the 12 personnel and he earned his role by blocking in those first four or five games. And uh, towards the end of the stretch of the year, uh, he was getting 97% of, uh, like, on the field. He was on the field for 97%. Um, During the last several, uh, I think, what, during the last five games, he averaged, or I'm sorry. Yeah, he averaged five targets and uh, four touchdowns in that span. And he was being used all over the field. It wasn't limited to a small route tree. So all those things combined, I, I think he's going, he's been earning the trust of Josh Allen and I want the right pieces of this offense moving forward because this is an offense that we have agreed is we want pieces of. And I think that just watching that evolution on tape last year has gotten me super hyped up about this guy. And I, I think that he's going to make the step to be that number two guy. I'm not worried about Emmanuel Sanders. And I'm not, I mean, Cole Beasley plays something else. He plays the slot receiver. So, yeah, I, I so Mitch, I, I'm, I'm pretty much in agreement with you, like across the board there. I think uh, Gabriel Davis presents a ton of upside in this offense. I think it's definitely possible that in his rookie year, maybe Josh Allen wasn't targeting him as much and relying more on the the all pro and Stephon Diggs. And, you know, he could very well develop and eat into uh, Diggs' target share a little bit uh, in his, his second year as a pro. So, yeah, I think there's definitely room for upside here and there's plenty of floor. So, um, yeah, I. I'm with you. I think now is definitely the time to get him before he has that, you know, true breakout. The one thing I will say though, the seven touchdowns on 35 catches gives him what the 20% uh, touchdown rate. Like that mm-hmm. obviously is not sustainable, but um, even with just a little bit more target share over the course of a full season, I think he could be a, a productive, you know, wide receiver four with a ton of upside. Right, and I mean he's he's probably going to be an efficient receiver given his quarterback and given the fact that he does work downfield, but he's also another thing that's not sustainable at his yards per catch, right? That, that is, that would be insane if he kept that up. Um, now I, I will say, I really like how Mitch laid out the argument there and I will be raising him in, in, in my rankings, I think after hearing it, especially about like him, you know, kind of making his name as a blocker and then moving outside. I think that's really fascinating. Uh, I was a little bit worried about the Emmanuel Sanders signing, but as I'm thinking about it, you know, maybe that's a bigger hit to Cole Beasley than it is to Gabriel Davis because Emmanuel Sanders is a really good slot player. 
Um, so, you know, they, they could kind of be uh, cannibalizing each other in that position. And I guess, yeah, I guess what I mean is like, I wasn't worried about him losing his role as a wide receiver there. He's just going to be on the field. So even if mm -hmm. Manny's lining up in the wide receiver, he still lines up like tight to the formation. Yeah. 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 That's yeah, that's really interesting. Um, so there's also Cole Beasley there. He's wide receiver 85 in our consensus. Um, you know, I, he's been useful, especially in PPR leagues. He's a guy that can get you some points in the flex. So, you know, he's a guy to have on your bench. I think a guy we don't have ranked, but I just wanted to mention here at the end of the show is Marquez Stevenson, uh, UDFA from the University of Houston, as Trey likes to say, go Cougs. Go Cougs. I, th I think if you have a super deep roster, you could consider taxiing or stashing him on the off chance that he takes Cole Beasley slash Emmanuel Sanders spot in a year. If only like Mitch referenced to have kind of a piece of the action here in Buffalo, because this is a guy, he is kind of a speed slot guy. He is somebody that presents some athletic upside. If you have the roster space, obviously, if, if he's just going to clog up your roster, then don't worry about it. But Marquez Stevenson is a guy that I just wanted to throw out there for the listeners. I like it. All right. Last thing we're going to talk about is this tight end Dawson Knox. He's tied in 21 in our consensus, but I'm going to have to throw it to Mitch again because Mitch has him all the way up at tight end 13. So again, my friend, take it away. All right, man. I'm not going to go as crazy on this one. That's pretty high. Um, I uh, I hope he's been practicing catching this offseason to justify that because the dude is, an, uh, is a matchup nightmare at 6'4", 254, and he's on that offense that we've been talking about. I've been saying it all episode. Might as well finish it off, right? You got to be patient with these guys. And uh, if you see the breakout year coming, if he breaks out, and if you have a breakout tight end on the Buffalo Bills offense, then, uh, well, his price is going to be higher than uh, 21 or whatever that is. So I'm banking on upside here. I don't know if he necessarily finishes tight end 13, but I, I think that upside propels him up to where I have him. So Mitch, just so you know, he's he's currently ADP tight end thirty one. So you are massively above consensus here. I am dyslexic. <laughs> but yeah, I mean he's he's twenty one in our consensus. That's that's because Mitch is pulling him all the way up there. Right. But look, maybe look, I'm a genius. Here, boys. Here's I'm not gonna I'm not gonna roast you on this or anything, <laughs> Mitch. Because like, look. Once you get past the top seven or eight tight ends, it's a it's a fucking cesspool, right? So it really is. I, I I think Mitch. One thing you know, maybe we'll talk about this on a future episode. But one thing I like about Mitch's rankings philosophy is it kind of reminds me of what Evan Silva does in his top one fifty, where he's invested in being markedly higher than consensus on certain players just to like flag them for his followers and his listeners. And I think once you get outside of the top six or seven, you know, tight ends, why not be really high on a guy who has athletic upside, who's made, you know, some pretty cool plays in the NFL. We've seen it on the field and he's attached to Josh Allen. So obviously I don't agree with the ranking, but I'm not going to flame you for it because I understand the process. You Amen. Know? Well, yeah, I appreciate it, man. And to say out loud, like Dawson Knox could finish tight end 13 next year. I, I'm like, yeah, he absolutely could. Yeah. All right. And what if they trade for or sign Zach Ertz? What what is that going to do for Zach Ertz's value? And how far of a cliff is he is think, Dawson Knox going to fall I, off? I think Dawson Knox gets this is Sparta into eternity. Yeah. Because that's <laughs> that's in the rumor mill. Can he really fall that much farther than tight end 31, though? 
<laughs> well, I mean, he's pretty high up for me, I guess. So, whatever, yeah, no, I agree with you. I think, um, I mean, gosh, I, so I, I mentioned uh, Goddard earlier. I'm kind of uh, value, valuing Goddard like Ertz is already gone. So, I would love it for Goddard. Um, yeah, I mean, I, it would be a great landing spot for Ertz. Uh, but this this offense didn't really target the tight end a whole lot last year. So, it would kind of be a weird fit. And, uh, I don't know. I don't think Ertz is really somebody I would be uh, going after at this stage in his career. Yeah. All right. Well, if it happens, we will talk about it then. But until then, that is going to close out our show. Goodbye, everybody. Next week, we are going down south to the NFC South. So yeehaw. Yeehaw. All right. From New Jersey. Signing off. Bye. Later on, nerd.